One of the key components to the Lakers winning a title. LeBron, ooh, down he goes, and he grabs his ankle. LeBron with his right ankle, and he's hurting. I think that it rolled up on or something because there was a, like a double team there. And when he went down to the floor to try to get the loose, uh, semi-loose ball, that's when he got the ankle injury. And you can see how he's writhing in discomfort here. Lights do. Well, you can see he gets it rolled up on. And it's, uh, you know, not your atypical type of sprain because it's like an inversion where normally sprain, you turn it the other way. He turned it in. Those are really, can be really painful. I'm very curious to see how he responds. What's up, what's up, what's up, sports fans? This is L.A. Courtside Podcast brought to you by the Podcast Basketball Network. And, of course, I want to start off my first segment of Laker and Clipper talk with, of course, the injury to LeBron James in the recent 99-94 loss to the Atlanta Hawks, who, by the way, have won like six or seven games in a row since they made that coaching change. They've been playing very, very good basketball. In this particular game, though, uh, of course, LeBron James went down with what is now being classified as or diagnosed as a high ankle sprain on his right ankle. And in watching that game in the second quarter, uh, looks like Solomon Hill, looks like it may have been a loose ball, and Solomon Hill and LeBron James were going for the ball and Solomon Hill dove for the ball and rolled up on LeBron James's ankle. And it was like an inversion. Normally, ankle injuries, your ankle goes outward. And that's very painful as well. Uh, this one went inward. It really looked kind of awkward. It was really touch and go and scary, I'm sure, for Laker fans to see that as James was riding in pain on the floor, grabbing his lower right leg you couldn't tell at first whether he was grabbing his ankle or god forbid grabbing his achilles that was the first thing to pop in my mind that you know hopefully this wasn't an achilles injury uh and thank god it was not turned out to be a a high ankle sprain and those type of injuries um as you all know in the sports world it's it's really touch and go as far as recovery time you see this kind of injury in football a lot where let's say a running back is running through the line, he gets stood up, and a defensive lineman gets knocked down, or maybe his own offensive lineman gets knocked down and rolls up on the ankle. And it's really, really tough to watch. And the player goes down and just immediately grabs that ankle, similar to what LeBron James did. And you can see the concern on his face, of course. And the Laker bench, you know, they all came out to check on their superstar. And, you know, LeBron James got up, walked back to the locker room. Actually, he played another play. He played another play, shot a three-point shot uh, that went in. And uh, then after a timeout, they took him out the game, which was uh, a good thing. There's no use of having him play in that game any further. And on the way to the locker room, you could see the frustration mounting on LeBron James as he kind of knocked over a chair or something like that. I mean, that's just that's just natural instinct type of stuff. LeBron James is a super, super competitive guy. He wants to be out there on the floor. And I don't have any doubt that he's going to come back, come back stronger, come back more motivated, you know, after this injury. And, you know, be the same player that he was pre-injury. 
LeBron James was playing at an MVP level uh, up until this game. So I have no doubt that he's going to come back and, again, even be better than he was. You know, this is the type of player that he takes on all kind of challenges. And he'll come back and he'll come back strong. I know a lot of people uh, were questioning Solomon Hill and whether or not he should have been diving for that ball. That's just instinct. My, this is my opinion, folks. That's just instinctual. I don't, I don't think Solomon Hill meant to do that. You know, when you see a loose ball like that and, you know, your instinct says you have a chance to dive for it and get it, dive for it and grab it or get possession of it, maybe call a timeout. Looks like that's what he was trying to do. And it was just unfortunate. It was just unfortunate that he rolled up on that ankle. So I don't think necessarily that he was out to hurt LeBron James. And he said as much in the postgame interviews uh, where reporters asked him that question. So I don't think that was the case at all. As far as the Lakers are concerned, uh, moving forward, you know, where where do they go for here, from here? I know reporters, of course, they asked uh, Coach Frank Vogel that same question. You know, where where do the Lakers go from here? You know, what 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 sort of lineup changes that are, are they going to have, and what's going to be their mindset moving forward? And Frank Vogel just he pretty much gave the the coach's answer. Um, you know, I don't know what 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 more he could have said, but uh, he pretty much gave the the coaches, and most coaches would have said the same thing. Uh, let's take a quick listen. But how do you guys move forward with potentially no LeBron for a period of time? Obviously, no Anthony Davis, Marcus Hall, et cetera. Yeah, it's it's you know certainly going to be a challenge when you're on anytime you're undermanned. But if you play team team first basketball and you defend at a high level, you have a chance to win, and uh, that'll be our mindset. And so there you have it. That's that's typical coach speak. I mean, that's what he should say. You know, if you have that mindset, team first basketball defend which they've been doing you know pretty well by the way defending and you know they can still win basketball games now obviously now let's let's not get it twisted now when you lose lebron james you know the face of your franchise the face of the nba you know you're gonna suffer uh on the court there's just no if ands or buts about that so we all know that but you still have to roll the ball out there. Still have to put five guys out there. Someone still has to take his place. And then you move on until uh, Anthony Davis comes back, which uh, from what I'm hearing, it could be anywhere from two to three weeks. I still would not rush him back. One thing that the Lakers should not be concerned with, and I really don't think they are, is seeding. Seeding, whether they're a first seed, second seed, third seed, fourth seed. Doesn't matter. They're going to make the playoffs. Right now, they're 28 and 14. Still a lot of basketball to play. They're going to make the playoffs. So I wouldn't worry about seeding uh, as much as uh, getting your squad together. And as Vogel said, you know, playing as a team, playing team basketball, out there defending, and, you know, holding down the fort until your two superstars come back. Now, again, this high ankle sprain from early indications from, of course, you've had a lot of doctors and trainers and uh, people that play doctors and trainers on the radio. Uh, everybody speculating about how long LeBron James is going to be out. You know, you hear other people, boy, when I had I had a high ankle sprain like that before and I was out for two months. 
And then you have somebody say, well, I had a high ankle sprain one time before and I was back out doing my thing in, in a week. OK, nobody knows. You know, most of us haven't played on a NBA type level before. So it's totally different. It's totally different. But LeBron James is the type of guy. He, he takes care of his body. He pays a lot of money, the money out of his pocket in the offseason to um, have all kind of trainers and nutritionists and all of that stuff to get his body ready for the NBA grind of, in most cases, an 82-game season. This game is, I mean, this season is only 72 games, but LeBron James is in uh, much better shape than 90 or so percent of the NBA players, I would say, or maybe more than that. So he's going to return, and he's going to return strong. But again, where do they go from here as far as lineup and lineup changes and things like that. You still have Mark Gasol, who's still on COVID protocol. And hopefully he'll be back soon. In the meantime, Damian Jones, Damian Jones uh, has stepped into that spot and he's playing okay. You know, as long as he's defending and rebounding, uh, he'll be fine. In this particular game against Atlanta, he had um, nine rebounds in that particular game, only scored four points. But, you know, he, it's not like he was a liability out there. So, and he's he signed like a second 10-day contract. I think they should just sign him for the rest of the season. You know, unless you're still uh, talking about possibly getting Andre Drummond or JaVale McGee or Hassan Whiteside or someone like that. And the Lakers don't have the luxury right now to give up anybody on this roster to, to bring somebody else in. A guy like Taylor Horton Tucker, who uh, he was only four of 12 in this Atlanta game and scored nine points. In my opinion, he's untouchable right now. He may be the guy. Of course, no one can take LeBron James's place. But as far as minutes goes, he's going to get more minutes. He had 21 minutes in this Atlanta game, but he's going to start getting even more minutes, more minutes. Markeith Morris. He had 28 minutes in the Atlanta game. His minutes is going to pick up. He scored 12 points. And he's been playing pretty well, pretty steady. He was only two out of nine from three-piece land in this particular game. But he has six rebounds. He's going to get more minutes while LeBron James is out. And the rest of the players, you know, everybody's going to have to step their game up. It's as simple as that. You know, we'll see what the Lakers' role players are made of. You know, now you have both superstars out. So we'll see. See What are you going to do, fold like a house of cards? Or are you going to come out there balling, you know, showing the rest of the NBA what you have? I hear a lot of people say that this is a, a blessing in disguise. Now, obviously, you don't want LeBron James to get injured. But since he is now, it's going to be a blessing in disguise to see what the rest of these guys can do without LeBron James on that floor. Dennis Schroeder, who was only 4 out of 15 in this particular game, 0 for 3 from 3-piece land. He scored 16 points, but his field goal percentage was not that good. Played 35 minutes. He's going to have to pick up the pace. He did have 7 rebounds and 4 assists. That's fine. He had 6 turnovers, though. Okay, that's going to have to improve. That's going to have to improve improve big time. Uh, KCP. I was thinking to myself in this game while it was going, I'm I'm thinking, and this was like in maybe the second quarter, this is before LeBron James got injured, and I'm thinking to myself, man, this guy's scoreless. And he went the whole game scoreless. You cannot have that from, 
from from KCP. He's a starter. 21 minutes. 0-5 from the field. It's, it's, it's almost like he's not even getting the number of shots that he was normally getting at the beginning of the year. Yo, KCP was jacking it up a good 12, 13, 14 times a game. Now, you know, most times you look at the box score, he doesn't even shoot the ball 10 times a game. They're going to need more from him. He was minus 18 in the plus minus column against Atlanta. Zero points. Okay, that's not going to fly. You're going to if you get that production, that kind of production from KCP and or Dennis Schroeder all this time while LeBron and AD is out, then the Lakers are going to be in some trouble. They have to pick their games up. No doubt about it. One guy that I'm not not worried about is Trez Harrell. He has strung together some very good games in these la- after the All-Star break. The Lakers have won four straight coming out of the All-Star break. And if LeBron James ain't getting hurt in this game, I have no reason to believe that would be five in a row if he wouldn't have gotten hurt. But Trez Harrell in this game, he led the team in scoring 23 points, 10 out of 13 from the field, 11 rebounds, plus 14 in the plus-minus column. This guy just brings so much energy, so much energy to the floor, so much toughness. And, you know, it's, 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 I mentioned this in one of my prior uh, episodes about some Laker fans wanting to trade him. I don't know what games they've been watching or, or not necessarily sign him for next year, whatever the case may be. I'm not sure what it was, but it's evident now this guy isn't going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He's plus 14 in the plus minus column leading the Lakers in that category. So uh, his game is going to pick up. I'm thinking he's, he's going to get the same number of minutes, but he may get more opportunities as far as shots and shot making goes. Kyle Kuzma is another guy. He played 37 minutes in this game. He only had eight points. He was three of eight from the field, one of five from three piece land. Kuzma has been playing uh, pretty well uh, leading up to the all-star break and after, but they're going to have to uh, have more consistency from him moving forward. Uh, in the absence of LeBron James and uh, AD. Wes Matthews, this is another guy, 18 minutes. He did score nine points, which is a very, very good sign because I'll be honest with you, from the beginning of the year up until now, I really don't know what Wes Matthews' role was or what it was supposed to be. I guess a 3 and D type wing, but he hadn't been shooting all that well from three-point land until this game. He was three out of four, so that's good. If they can get some very, very productive minutes and some good output from him, that would ease some of the pain a little bit. And then lastly, Caruso, who just came back from concussion protocol, he played 21 minutes. This was his first game back, I believe. And he only scored three points, so it's going to take him a minute to get the rust off and then get back into the flow. And so that's pretty much what they have. That's pretty much what they had to work with. Now, as far as the trade deadline coming up on March 25th, again, you still hear those rumors of uh, Andre Drummond possibly getting bought out by the Cleveland Cavaliers. It has not happened yet at the time of this taping, which is Sunday. The Lakers do have a game tonight against Phoenix. Uh, but as of this taping, uh, Andre Drummond is still a Cleveland Cavalier. So is JaVale McGee. Hassan Whiteside is still a Sacramento King. Now, one thing I think that the Lakers could use is another three-point shooter, just my humble opinion. 
And Wayne Ellington of the Pistons, who's in the final year of his contract, he's someone that um, the Pistons may dangle out there for a trade, you know, maybe for, I don't know, a second round draft choice or something like that. Again, you're not going to give up anybody on this team. I don't think the Lakers can afford to give up anybody on this team to acquire another player. It'll have to be from a buyout situation. Uh, said player clears waivers. And then and then that player pretty much has a choice in where he wants to go and then ends up going to the Lakers. I think that's a route that they're going to have to take. Uh, other than that, they're going to be going uh, down the line with the players that they have. And, you know, they're not going to have any choice. The schedule doesn't get, you know, that much easier per se. Well, it's in, and especially with these guys out, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. But as Frank Vogel, again, says team basketball play as a team defend and just hold the fort you can get you can get by this you're going to make the playoffs seating again doesn't matter as far as i'm concerned there's not a whole lot of fans in the seats you know and some people may think you know even if you have a thousand or two thousand fans that's a lot to uh let's say if it's utah for example if they have to travel to utah those two or three thousand fans or maybe even five thousand fans They'll be as loud as they can and, you know, heckle the uh, the um, the opposition, uh, the team coming into that that particular arena. But it's not like to me, it's not like having 30,000 of them shouting down at you and things like that. So uh, the Lakers, as far as seeding, I wouldn't be too concerned about that. They have upcoming games at Phoenix, who's uh, still in first place or they may be tied with the Lakers at this point. Uh, Phoenix lost a game to uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves just the other day. Thanks, Phoenix, for screwing up my parlay that I had. I had actually had the Lakers beating Charlotte, which they did. I had Portland beating the Pelicans, which they did. And all I needed was the first place Phoenix Suns to beat up on the last place Minnesota Timberwolves, who are 9-31 and or something like that. And they lost to them at home. So I'm not feeling Phoenix right about now. And I'm hoping that the Lakers beat them in Phoenix without LeBron James and AD. So I'm not feeling the Phoenix Suns right about now. But they have them uh, Sunday night. And then uh, they travel to um, New Orleans to play the Pelicans, play Zion and that and that group in the Pelicans. And uh, then they come back home and then play a series of games against uh, Philadelphia, Cleveland, Orlando, Milwaukee, and Sacramento. So, you know, some of those games are winnable, you know, even without LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They're, they're going to have to come out and just, um, you know, keep their head in the game, you know, play some defense, um, you know, help each other out. You know, they have to talk out there. That, that, that defense, they, like I said, they've been playing pretty well. But you're going to have to have a lot of help defense out there. You know, you don't have, you know, LeBron and AD. They're, of course, pretty good defenders when they want to be. So they're going to have to pick up that pace on the defensive end. And I think they can do it. I really do. I really, really think they can do it. But Laker fans, I know you're kind of despondent a little bit right now. I know uh, everybody was holding their collective breaths uh, when LeBron James went down. I happened to be in the... Uh, L.A. Laker Nation clubhouse, the uh, audio chat uh, social media clubhouse 
And when he went down, it was sort of like a deafening silence there at first. And, you know, the, oh, my God, LeBron is down, he's down, he's down. And, and, and so was I, actually. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, it's almost like a boxer getting knocked down. I'm thinking, come on, get up, get up, get up before the 10 count. Get up, you can get up, get up, you can do this. And uh, he was just writhing in pain. But, again, this guy, he's taking care of his body pretty much his whole life. And, you know, they've got the best trainers. they got the best doctors. And it's not an Achilles injury. You know, it is that high ankle sprain inversion, though, which is kind of rare. But from what I understand from doctors, they are more painful. So, but I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be fine once they he gets back in a couple of weeks or two or three weeks, whenever that is, and AD gets back, they'll, they'll go back to doing their thing. In my next segment, I will speak on the other team in L.A., the L.A. Clippers and uh, talk about what they've been doing lately. It was really, really funny when I was in that um, chat room. I was just telling you about the clubhouse chat room, audio chat room. And after LeBron James got hurt, uh, a participant came in the room and he was obviously a Clippers fan or as some Laker fans put it, a fake out Clipper fan. And he was trolling the Lakers. You know, he said something about, hey, Laker fans, have you lit the candle or something like that? Whatever that means. But the Laker fans that was in that room, they obviously knew who this guy was, knew he was a troller from the past. And it was kind of funny. They 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 pretty much ran him out of the room. This particular uh, clubhouse chat, uh, you know, you can actually boot somebody out who's ever the administrator. But they piled on this guy so much that he. He took himself out of the room. I guess he felt some shame. So there's no, for Clippers fans, you know, there's no point in trying to troll another team and their player or revel in that player getting hurt. Nobody nobody wants to see anybody get hurt. No, We don't want to see Kawhi Leonard gets hurt or Paul George gets hurt or LeBron James or Anthony Davis or any of the other players. If they're going to meet in the Western Conference Finals, and I keep preaching that, I still think it's going to happen, or they're going to meet at some point in the Western Conference playoffs, you want both teams to be at their best. At their best. And you don't, you don't want to leave any doubt that one team beat the other uh, because the other team didn't have one of their best players or both of their best players or even a role player, uh, an important role player that got hurt. So you don't want that to happen. So Clippers fans, no need in trolling and all of that. Uh, the, you know, LeBron James will be back and you two will meet. And we'll see who's the better team. Now, as far as the Clippers are concerned, since the All-Star break, they are three and two. The most recent game was a 125 and 98 thrashing of the Charlotte Hornets. The game before that, though, I spoke on that in my last episode. That was a 105 to 89 loss to the Dallas Mavericks where Luka Doncic just put on an absolute show with 42 points, was killing it, killing it. But as I mentioned before, Luka kills pretty much everybody. So there's no shame in that. Uh, They won the previous game against Dallas. It was two games in a row against Dallas, so they split with Dallas, and that's okay. The Clippers right now are sitting at 27-16 and in third place in the the, uh, Pacific Division. But this most recent game against Charlotte, they put together 
one to me, one of their most complete games of the year where they were just, they were just running on all cylinders in that game. They held yeah, defensively. They held LaMelo ball to 13 points. Uh, LaMelo had a much better game against the Lakers. Uh, but in this particular game against the Clippers, he was only four of 12, one out of four from three piece land for 13 points. Gordon Hayward led, led Charlotte with, uh, I'm sorry, he was second in scoring uh, for Charlotte with 17 points. Uh, Bridges had uh, 21 points for Charlotte. He played a uh, pretty good game, Miles Bridges. But after that, they really didn't get much production from the rest of the Charlotte players. As far as the Clippers go, again, they played one of their most complete games of the year. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, uh, 17 points. 17 points for Kawhi, four steals, four assists, six out of 13 from the field, 17 points, a really, really efficient game for Kawhi. And again, with him, you know, he's so consistent. You just know game in and game out what you're going to get from him. That point total was you know, rather low for him. Not severely low, but, uh, you know, he's averaging about, 24 or so points a game, 24, 25 points, whatever that is. But with the rest of the Clippers scoring like they were, he really didn't need to be that top shelf scorer. Paul George had an excellent game. Excellent game. If the Clippers get this kind of consistency from Paul George, they're going to be hell to deal with. He was 8 out of 14 from the field. 50% from three-piece land, 4 out of 8. Scored 21 points. He was plus 31 in the plus minus column while he was on the floor and really, really played well when he's playing with that kind of confidence. And by the way, he had 10 assists. And when he's playing with that kind of confidence, the Clippers are really, really, really tough to beat. And if they get any kind of team consistency down the line, like they got in this particular Charlotte game, then the Clippers they're 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 definitely they definitely will be one of the top three teams in the West when the playoffs start. I I sincerely believe that, along with the Lakers, even with the LeBron James injury, you know once he gets back in AD, and then either uh, the Utah Jazz or maybe the upstart Phoenix Suns, who again I'm not feeling, they uh, uh, blew that parlay that I had. So again I'm not feeling Phoenix, but. They're still a top-tier team in the West. They've been playing like that, so you have to give them their props. But the rest of the Clippers in this particular game against Charlotte, they just, they just, they pretty much all played well. Marcus Morris Sr., 5 of 9 from the field. He scored 13 points. He's playing pretty well, you know, in that starting lineup. Uh, Zubats, uh, 10 points, 3 out of 4 from the field. He's not going to be a high-volume type guy scorer. But as long as he, you know, he gets you some rebounds, you know, he plays defense. He had about three assists. He's he he just he's just a steady, steady center. Now, I'm not sure what's going to happen once uh, Ibaka gets back, what kind of lineup changes that they're going to make. But this particular lineup that they have in here now, as far as starting, looks pretty good. Now, Reggie Jackson, of course, is starting in place of Pat Bev. And you guys know how I feel about Reggie Jackson. He's he's kind of like a roller coaster. He's up, down, up, down, up, down. There's not a lot of consistency there. In this particular game, he scores seven points. He's three out of five from the field, which is good. And 
he turned the ball over only two times, and he was a plus 23 in a plus-minus column. Pretty much all of the, the Clippers were on the plus side in the plus-minus column in this blowout, but he played okay. Steady floor game. One out of three from three-piece land. He played 21 minutes, so he played okay. And then moving to the bench, Terrence Mann probably played one of his best games of the season. 23 minutes, 7 out of 10 from the field, 16 points. He played very, very well. And you get consistent minutes out of him coming off that bench, then look out. They're going to be really, really tough if this kid starts playing well. I don't know if he can keep up that kind of um, uh, steadiness or that kind of output between now and the end of the year. But I'm sure Clipper fans hope that he can do that and keep your fingers crossed. They'll be hell to deal with. Lou Williams scored. He also scored in, uh, 15 points in 20 minutes. He was only one out of four from three piece land, 411 from the field, but he did score uh, 15 points. And then Nicholas Batum, he scored 11 points. He had a good game, 28 minutes, three out of five from the field. I'm not so sure that um, he's going to get his starting job back. Uh, you know, he may be better served coming off the bench uh, as far as Batum is concerned. So, again, that, that particular game against Charlotte, uh, I'm sure Charlotte thought that they would play better than that. But they just, Clippers just blew them right on out the gym. That was just a, that was just a mauling, a mauling that they did on the uh, Charlotte Hornets. And then moving forward, in terms of the Clippers, they have the Atlanta team coming up on Monday night, the same team that beat the Lakers. And uh, they're playing at that same Atlanta team who, again, have won like it may even be up to eight games in a row since they changed coaches. So Atlanta is balling out right now. A really, really tough team. You know, Trey Young and those boys, uh, John Collins, they're really, really balling out, man. And uh, then they have a couple of games at San Antonio and then Philadelphia and Milwaukee. So those are their next five games. That's pretty tough. Tough schedule. San Antonio, San Antonio is just one of those sleeper, sleeper teams, man. When you think of San Antonio, you think of the old, the old school San Antonio, you know, your David Robinsons, your Tim Duncans, your Ginobili's, uh, when Kawhi Leonard played there, you, you, you think of those teams, uh, but these guys they have now, man, they, they're balling. They still have pop. Pop is still the coach. So San Antonio is definitely not a pushover. And of course the Philadelphia 76ers, by the time uh, they played them on uh, March 27th, not sure if Joel and B is going to be back by then, but Philadelphia is still tough. And then, of course, on Monday, March 29th, you got Milwaukee and the Greek freak, the Greek freak over there. They have to play that particular team. So the schedule gets kind of, uh, kind of tough in the next five games against uh, or for the Clippers, but I think they'll be up to the challenge. Again, if you get that consistency that they got in that Charlotte game. I don't know if they can sustain that between now and the end of the year, but if that team starts clicking, uh, look out. And I'm not sure if they're going to make any moves. Uh, I always say on every episode that I think they need a point guard, blah, 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 blah. L.A. Ray keeps saying they need a point guard. I still say they do. They may think that they don't. Yeah, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Prove that you can win a championship with Pat Bev and – Reggie Jackson as your your point guard tandem. You're not going to get 10 assists from Paul George like he had in this particular game every game. You're not going to count on him 
to play the point guard, the shooting guard, play on a wing, play defense, run the floor, post up, rebound. That's asking a whole lot, even for a guy like Paul George. You have to have somebody who can distribute. Now, there's rumblings out there that a guy like Rajon Rondo, who plays for Atlanta, doesn't get a boatload of playing time. But, of course, he has championship experience. Can he come into the clip joint and be a steady influence on the point guard situation? I think he can. We all know what Rajon Rondo can do come playoff time. You know, in a regular season, you know, you look at Rondo and he's not the best shooter in the world and, and all of that. He's a floor general, though. The guy's basketball IQ is just off the charts. Rondo, I'm speaking of. Basketball IQ is off the charts. But when the lights are on in playoff time, that's when this kid starts balling. And I think he would be a tremendous pickup for the Clippers. You also have a guy like Ricky Rubio for the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are going absolutely nowhere. Again, I'll say they did beat the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix, you messed up my three-team parlay of some loot I could have won. But uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves aren't going anywhere. So uh, Ricky Rubio may be a buyout possibility for Minnesota. And Ricky Rubio is not the best shooter in the world or anything like that, but he's also a floor general. You don't, you don't need a point guard who can score a ton of points. Pat Bev doesn't score a ton of points when he's out there. Reggie Jackson, he may get you a, say a 15 point game every now and then he may give you a 20 point game. Then you'll look up and he'll give you a, a five point game. And that's just not consistent. A guy like Rondo, a guy like Rubio, you know what you're going to get every single game from them. They're going to be consistent. They're not going to be high-volume scorers. But when you have guys like Paul George and, and uh, Kawhi Leonard, you don't need high-volume scorers. Those are your high-volume scorers right there. And then, you know, the rest of the guys that, that, that come off the bench to support that, they're also some scorers, other scorers on that team. So you just need a guy that can settle the offense down. And when the fourth quarter rolls around, in this particular game against Charlotte, didn't have to worry about blowing a fourth quarter lead. But of course, they had a very, very large lead. But in some of these games where the games are really close, let's say 10 points or less, and then the fourth quarter starts, and then sometimes the Clippers offense, it bogs down. And then they start playing this iso ball. And then they're standing around looking at either Paul George or Kawhi Leonard to do something. Next thing you know, the scoring is not there. And then the other team, they just start, you know, making buckets. Next thing you know, the Clippers are down in the fourth quarter. And then they may end up losing the game. I think if you have a floor general out there who can settle that offense down, get the team into their sets, you know, get them into their offense and, uh, and, and get away from that ISO ball, then the Clippers will be much, much better off. So that's where we stand right now basketball fans and specifically you basketball fans in the lovely city of Los Angeles. And with that, I'm going to let you all go. I'd like to thank the, again, the basketball podcast network for uh, putting this show on. And most of all, I'd like to thank you fans for listening. Um, I will be in the process of working on a YouTube channel that uh, is going to be coming out. And it's pretty much going to have the, like the same format of this podcast. It's going to focus on the Clippers and the Lakers, and it'll be called uh, the House Divided. 
which is what you see in Los Angeles. Whether the fans in LA are 50%, 50% Lakers and Clippers, it may be more for the Lakers because the Lakers have been around longer, of course. They have a more storied history. So whether it's 60-40 or 70-30 or 65-35, wherever it is, there's still a divide there. And I think it's really, really fascinating when both of these fan bases, when they start going after each other. There's a lot of trolling that be going on in social media. A lot of trolling. So look forward to that. There's more to come on that, more to come on that. And with that, this is L.A. Ray signing off for this particular episode. Remember that we are still in a COVID environment. Make sure you maintain that six-foot social distancing when you're out there in the streets. Make sure you have your mask on and wash your hands thoroughly every single day, every single chance that you get until we're rid of this nasty COVID-19 disease that's out here, virus that's out here. With that, basketball fans, until the next episode, peace. Because I dress to impress, guaranteed to be a hit I walk down the street, the girls are jumping on it I got the ladies on my left, freeze on my right The ladies follow me all through the night Cause I'm the one with the action, the king of satisfaction You listen to my rhythm, there is a change reaction Goes up your back and comes down your spine And when it hits your head, it's gonna blow your mind And if you're from the Bronx and you hear the sound Come on everybody, boogie down, boogie down